Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're going back to the no notes format. If you're new to this format, what we do is Connor and I each have three questions. It can be about the NFL draft, something that re- happened recently in the NFL, playoff teams, coaches, general managers, anything. Three questions, and we're going to hold it up to the camera for the other person to read for the first time, and then they've got to answer it live on the show. So it's fun. We've got three football questions, and then we each have a little bit of a random one, a fun one at the end that we will ask. So we end with a good time. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. This is a midweek episode, and it's back to a fan favorite format. This episode is a no notes episode. If you are new here, what we did last time, because it's only the second time we've been doing this structure, but it was a lot of fun. People loved it last time, so we're bringing it back uh, by popular demand, I should say. Right. Connor and I have three football topics. And then one added fun topic that we will do at the end of the show that we will literally hold up on a note card. And with no notes, the other person will have to read it out loud and respond to it. So we're kind of going off the top of the dome here with these different questions, but they're fun topical questions. It opens things up for us to be able to kind of talk about what we want to talk about. It's a free flowing show. And, you know, last time it was a lot of fun, Connor. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one, man. The people demanded it and we got to give the people what they we always do. And honestly, this is quickly becoming one of the our, my favorite things that we do. I have so much fun sitting down and prepping for this show, writing out questions and scenarios and, you know, tossing some away for some that are better. I, I have so much fun with this because, like you said, Trevor, it's really the one time where we're totally away from the standard rankings, mock drafts, stock watch. You know, this is the latest on this specific team. It's really a choose your own adventure. So I, and there's a lot of laughs in this. So hopefully yes. everybody likes it as much as you and I do. Yes, no, it'll be, it'll be a good time. It always is. And for everybody who's listening on audio only, we are holding up the note cards with the questions, but then the other person will read it out loud, just like last time. So you guys that are audio only don't feel left out here. Do you want to start? Or do you want sure. me to start? Which one? Do you, okay. All right. So you're going to, you're going to hold it up first. Yeah, I got it. Okay. I got a fun one to kick us off. All right, let's do it. All right. So my preface of this before I hold it up is that you are a team and you are coming away with one of these duos in the draft. So, okay. All right. Can you see this? I can. Uh, can you hold it up a little bit higher? Cause I can't see the, I can't see the fourth one. All right, there we go. Pick a duo. Laatu Latu and Trey Benson, Jared Verse and Donovan Edwards, Dallas Turner and Blake Corum, or Chop Robinson and Braylon Allen. The old pass rush running back duo. Okay, yeah, this is a pass rush running back connection. So it's Latu and Benson, and then it's Verse and Edwards. Right. Turner and Corum. And then the last one was Chop Robinson and Braylon Allen. And I wisely went through your rankings <laughs> to, to make sure that I didn't stack two of your favorites together. I, so 
I think right off the bat, and you guys are going to listen to me think about this out loud. So you're going to get a peer into my brain as you often do in this. That's part of the fun of this. I think right off the bat, it's it's Latu and Benson because Latu is somebody who I have elevated to edge one, yeah, edge one status in this draft. I think that the way he deconstructs blocks, the hand usage, the size at six foot five, two hundred and sixty five pounds. I mean, it is all there for him. You look at some of the other guys in that list, and I think I think it would be fair to say that all three of the other pass rushers, Jared Verse, Dallas Turner, and Chop Robinson probably have a little bit better of a first step, a more explosive first step. I think that's fair. But the way I wrote it actually this week in an article article for PFF is, Latu's like a smooth criminal, man. Even though he's not this bat out of hell kind of player with his first step, he just he, he just destroys you with how he plays the edge position. So that's why he's edge one for me. And Benson, I took him out of the, the RB1 spot because to me – even though the offensive line wasn't playing as well at Florida State to start the year, and I think that is a reason why the production was down, it didn't feel like he was creating nearly as much as he did last year, which is crazy because we mentioned in summer scouting, he had a force miss tackle rate of 0.5, which is higher than any B. John Robinson year, the Javante Williams year that was nuts, the Travis Etienne year, which was crazy. Like That's higher than all of those guys. So the fact that you are forcing that many missed tackles on your own individually and then having a high yards after contact average, those are very translatable things to the pros. But all of those things were down this year. And so it's kind of spooked me a little bit about Benson. I don't want to think he's a one-year wonder. I think I moved Benson behind Corum and Edwards to have him behind Edwards. Yeah, you, you had him. You had him behind both of them. I'd say. I'd say that I'd probably change it to Benson being ahead of Edwards, but still behind Quorum for as good as Quorum is. And then Braylon Allen, I like a lot. Me too. I love Braylon Allen. I think that one might be the most tempting. That was the one. I so I think that's the one that has the most upside, maybe. Yeah, like Chop can be and he's far away from it now, but he's got all pro potential. And how many times have we seen, you know, these big bodied backs that turn it on as pass catchers where they're adequate enough as a pass catcher and they get to the NFL level and they're just, you know, they're just different. And that's, you know, kind of the way I view Allen a little bit. That one's intriguing. So is Verson Edwards. Because Edwards is is an explosive athlete, and Edwards' ceiling is super high, man. Right. I, he's he's been he's been pretty feast or famine this year, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, Michigan's run game just cannot get it going against. And I think everybody's kind of sweeping it under the rug with these two guys being low productivity, both him and Blake Corum, and they're like, ah, yeah, it doesn't matter. They're winning football, right? It's like you're playing your bad opponents now. Like you, you should be running the ball very well now. I wouldn't sweep this under the rug too much, especially if Michigan ends up getting into the college football playoff, which is completely up in the air now because of all the sign stealing stuff. Dude, have have you seen the latest of this? Yes, the how pictures the si- on the side. How the guy might have been on the sideline for Central Michigan. Now we're talking about like some like spy level stuff. I kind of respect it. I I this feel like is, I have no choice but to respect same. it. Same. When you go in this far, yes. like it's one thing to be like the whole, well, we're not really cheating, right? This is full-blown 
spy <laughs> level is. shit. Like this is. is this is like there was no holding back. This is if you're gonna go over the line, it's like jump with two feet. Stuff. It, I mean, it really is. Although, if that's him, by the way, that disguise is so ridiculous. He so kinda, ridiculous. He, do you think? Do you think he just like walked to the campus bookstore beforehand and just like got a Chippewa's hat? It kind of feels that way. I mean, you you this is this is actually a funny topic for us because you've been on the sideline for a ton of college football games. And mm -hmm. back when I worked at Bleacher Report, same with me. And I'll say this, like college sidelines, depending where you are, not everywhere compared to NFL sidelines. I was always blown away when I was credentialed. Not everywhere. Some places were actually insanely strict. There's a couple of times where I was like, Man, I have the lay of the land. Like I can go out there and start catching balls during warmups. I felt like sometimes yeah. with where you could go. So I'm not really floored by this. If if there if the investigation proves that some of it's true. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people on the sidelines, especially for college games. So yes. I feel like you can get away with it a little bit easier than you would in an NFL game. But uh, yeah, it's wild. Anyways, um, getting back to the question, Braylon Allen I actually looked this up. Um, I can't remember if it was this week or last week. His numbers are pretty dang good. And over the he's last two years, over the last two years, he's had over 1,200 rushing yards in each his true freshman and his true for sophomore season. So the rushing production was always there for him. But the individual difference-making production, like last year, he had a .22 force missed tackles per attempt average, which is not great. I mean, it's fine, but it's not great. And the yards after contact – for Braylon Allen, who is six foot two, two hundred forty five pounds, I mean he's a big dude. It was only a three last year, so it's kind of like okay, yeah, twelve hundred rushing yards, but what's he doing when the offensive line isn't playing well? This year it is different. This year he's at point three three missed tackles forced per attempt, which is a pretty good number. That's significantly higher. And then the yards after contact this season is at four so it's a full yard higher. So that I like a lot. So I think Allen's trending in the right direction. Ultimately, I'm I'm still going Latu and Benson. Like those are my two dudes. I had Benson RB one going into the season. I think you did as well. Yep. And even if though he, even I had just, yeah, just behind Travion, Travion at the time. That's oh it. yeah, right, right, right. But, you had Travion up there. Um, but Latu is so good. Benson, I think, has is is still going to be a really good back in the pros. That's my one. And then number two would be that potential of Chop Robinson and, and Braylon Allen. So that would be the order of operations, but I'm going lot too in Benson. Who would you go with before we go to mine? Who would you go with? Man, I think I would go with the same as you. I mean, just going by my ranks right now, like lot my edge one mm -hmm. right now. I've made that move. And then I still like Benson. I mean, I still have Benson undoubtedly as a top five back in this class, but probably a top three back. I just, I am really intrigued by chop and Braylon Allen. That's the one where I was like, man, I could see myself in three years being like, that was the one. Yeah. But just by my ranks, it's Latu and Benson. Can't let me look up because Chop's been playing a lot better lately. I think so he started the year a little slow, pretty slow. Yeah, his pass rush grades all the way up to eighty three point five. He must have been. I feel like he's been going off then. 
I'm, at least I feel like I made good duos considering you had to walk through it. There was I did. A, there wasn't one where you're like, yep, it. that's the one. Yeah, yeah, right, right. No, 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 that was a good question. That was a good question. Uh, but I'm going I'm going Latu and Benson. Very curious for what the people in the chat. Right, I feel like there'll be very mixed opinions. I know a ton of well. people understandably love Dallas Turner. I mean, we still really like Jared Verse a lot. Like mm-hmm. this, And Donovan Edwards, you brought up the ceiling with him. It's an interesting one. All right. You ready for your first one? Let's do it. I'm actually, I get nervous. Hopefully, what if I, I don't what if have. I'm, uh, hopefully, I'm not like mirrored here. So what if I panic? Actually, so you can actually read it. I hope no, you we're do good. Panic. Favorite initial head coach candidate for the Raiders. This is a perfect one to start with because this is the news of the week. Is the Raiders in the middle of the night while we were in our deep sleep, uh, <laughs> bl- blowing this thing up, blowing this thing up. Yeah, they just. Yeah. I don't know. Something pissed off Mark Davis. I woke up to LOL Raiders and I was like, oh, what did they bench Jimmy? And then I checked Twitter. and I was like, they did what? They fired both yeah. of them? And they eventually benched Jimmy. <laughs> they did bench Jimmy. They did get there. It just took about five steps first to do they that. Just, they just buried that part. So, yeah. yeah, I'm curious, man. Like you said, this is the big news of the week. And obviously, we got a lot of time here, right? They've got right. over half a season to decide which direction they want to go in but very clearly getting a big time head start on evaluating who they would like and so i'm curious which direction you think this team would go in and and a head coach that you would like for them so i'm really torn on this for a lot of reasons number one um the fact that this this job could be tough to sell i'm not saying it will be i'm saying there's Mm -hmm. a chance it could be tough to sell like we could enter a year where the easiest sell if you have an opening this year is going to be if you can get Caleb Williams or Drake May. That's just me being like totally honest. Like sure. if you are in one of those draft slots to get one of those guys, I would think you can sell this job to the Ben Johnson of the world. The another guy I really like is Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator. Okay. If, I, if I'm looking to go with the and I would think the Raiders are, are thinking this because the reality is they're in a division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Right away, you're and here's the thing. What if the Broncos are in position to get Drake May or whoever it may be that like then you're looking around, you're like, oh, boy. So I would think ownership is looking at this and going, we need to get. A quarter a offensive developer that is going to develop the quarterback we're drafting, and it feels like in hindsight, McDaniel should have done this last year like they should have. It's what they hired him to be. Yeah. Right. They should have traded up from that pick and got one of the quarterbacks. Um, or even if they they were the team to trade back up on day two to take Levis. Something that gave you a, a plan where you're looking at it and going, we got Jimmy. Jimmy's a bridge guy. It's always eventually going to be this guy. And you can't do that with Aiden O'Connell. That's not fair to Aiden O'Connell. That's not realistic. Right. So anyways, they're, they're gone now. It is what it is. Then there's the other part of me, Trevor. Like, while everyone in the division seems to be kind of going one way, offense, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Mahomes, Herbert. Say what you want about the Broncos. Sean Payton was given $20 million a year or whatever it was to build a great offense to compete with those teams. And they might be able to do that when they get a quarterback. Do you go the other way, thinking this job's not going to be attractive to the young play callers in the league? Mm-hmm. Maybe we are going to be more of a sandpaper team, as I like to say. We're going to win ugly. We're going to... We're going to get our quarterback, but we are going to build this different than we have. And and once again, it's so hard because I don't know what the appeal level will be. But do you go call Dan Quinn and say, we're we're instead, we're going to be 
a little bit more brash. We're going to be tougher. We're going to run the ball and play defense because that's while everybody's going one way in this division, we have to go the other way because we don't think we can find the Mahomes, the Herbert. We don't think we can do that. Honestly, I I would respect that internal scouting appeal. Mm -hmm. So if they go through this process and you brought it up, it's good that they're starting it now and they get the feedback from these coaching agents and a lot of these places that, Hey, like you guys aren't going to be an attractive destination for one of the hot shot play callers in the league. Then you got to do something different. And and Dan Quinn's been very picky as well. So maybe that wasn't the best example, but a coach like that, that you are building it differently. Look, well, okay. so do you you have a favorite? Do you have a one Do you like? I'll say Brian Callahan would if you can get him. Okay, I, I would say because I don't think I'm not putting Ben Johnson in this conversation and I don't want to make every answer to the coaching questions this offseason. Ben Johnson. Yeah, I, I would say Brian Callahan, but I, I'll put Dan Quinn as a hard number two. Yeah, this is, you know. I've just been talking to people and this is just, you know, from an opinion. Ben Johnson might not be the guy who like really wants to be a head coach, right? I mean, think of the opportunities that he had last off season and he was like Carolina specifically where I could have been the head coach of that team. And he goes back to Detroit. And I think all of us are like, wow, like what a great job, you know, like getting him back. Like it's crazy for Detroit. And it, and you, maybe this is just people within the league circle that I've talked to kind of asking questions about it, but Maybe he doesn't want to be a head coach as much as we want him to be a head coach, at least not at this time. I just wonder if uh, everybody's penciling him in for the next head coach job, and maybe he does get it. Maybe that does come to fruition, but it might not be as much of a guarantee as as what people are thinking. My number one is Dan Quinn. Nice. Easily. It's easily Dan Quinn. Uh, Vic Tafer, who who covers this the, the, the Raiders team for The Athletic, wrote an article about just the things that went wrong behind the scenes with McDaniels and, and, and Ziegler. And it was very clear that these guys did not have a direction and Mark Davis was losing faith. But to me, more importantly, something that was mentioned in the article, the players were losing faith. Like there's nobody on that roster really who continued to wholeheartedly believe in the front office or in the coaching staff because of what has happened over the last year and a half. And to me, the most important thing for the Raiders moving forward is to get a guy who can truly establish a winning culture. Dan Quinn did that in Atlanta. And even after Kyle Shanahan left, and even after things started to go south because they could not figure it out on offense, and they just had these roller coaster of seasons over the last his last two years there, that team still fought for Dan Quinn every single year. They started off, Goodness, what was it like? Two and six? I feel like one of those years. Yeah. They started off so poorly. I think for, I don't remember if it was exactly the last two or the last two out of three. They started off so poorly. And it they had basically all the excuses to just let it go off the rails and the team was going to lose faith in Dan Quinn. And they never did. To me, that always spoke volumes of what he is as a head coach and as a player's coach specifically. So to me, that's what's most important for the Rays moving forward. I think that if Dan Quinn wants that job to meet, like he's, he's candidate number one. And for the people out there who are going to be like, man, you know, he could, he couldn't figure it out on offense. Look, I don't know what's going to happen with the Packers this year. The Packers end up with the top five pick. 
Maybe they fire Matt LaFleur. I think Matt LaFleur could get another head coach job in the NFL immediately. But if he doesn't, he was the quarterback's coach in Atlanta under Shanahan when Dan Quinn was there for his first two seasons. And also, Brandon Staley gets fired with the Chargers if they have a disappointing year. Kellen Moore becomes available. They were both the coordinators in in Dallas, so they have a relationship there. Maybe you get Kellen Moore to be your offensive coordinator. So I think that there's some options there if Dan Quinn ends up being the head coach. But Connor, to me, that's those are the reasons why Quinn is my number one for uh, for the Raiders. I like it. Obviously, um, I, I just think that they need somebody that really instills some belief in this franchise and gets this franchise back to having some pride and an identity and a DNA. And it feels like they've been so far away from that. It just, it really, really does. And I mean, that's the, every time a team experiments with just trying to build off of new England, you know, people, this is what happens all the time. So it didn't work out for the Raiders. Hopefully they can get it right. And I'm with you, Trevor. I'm absolutely with you. I don't think they should go to the college ranks. I don't think they like, I'm not even entertaining the idea of Harbaugh. Although I'm not saying I'd be surprised. I'm just saying for us, I'm not going down that path either. So, yeah. Um, I wondered if Harbaugh would be in the list here, but we're going to, we're going to dive deep into the Raider situation when we fix the franchise and the fixture franchise episode. So we'll give you some more head coach candidates, but I wanted to ask the question here to see what Connor's initial thoughts were. Uh, like all right, it. what do we got next? Okay, next one up. Pick any rule or process change for the NFL. So process change can be like if you think pass interference can be reviewed with two minutes left, like something like that. Because that's not technically changing the rule, but it's changing the process of the evaluation of the rule. Or you could just change a rule that you absolutely hate. I'm trying to think if there's one. I, I, I do not hate the fumble the ball into the end zone and the other team gets it. I don't hate that nearly as much as Twitter does. That's everybody's like ultimate freak out. I know. They, they, it's, I think it's just easy likes. It's just easy retweets when they say worst rule in sports. Because in it's reality- It's not the worst rule in sports. It's, it's not the worst rule in sports. And I go back to the Tampa Bay Atlanta Falcons game where Desmond Ritter was about to walk into the end zone for a touchdown. Antoine Winfield Jr. hustled the hell out of the ball and then punched it out from Desmond Ritter as he is crossing the goal line. That ball goes out of bounds, and it is Tampa Bay's ball. It deserves to be Tampa Bay's ball. Desmond Ritter should have held on to the ball. Like, if you're near the goal line, hold on to the ball. I understand that there are some situations where it's like you're punishing a guy for reaching out for the end zone. And those kind of suck. I, I won't I won't disagree. Like that that moment of the rule definitely sucks. But it's not the worst rule in sports because I've seen it in situations where Tampa bias aside, I, I, if that happened to anybody anywhere, I'd be like, hell yeah, they deserve the ball. They got careless with it, slowed up, didn't hold on to his there across the end zone, got punched out. It's a great defensive play. Give them the football. So I don't know if I would change that one. Do you have one off the top of your head? Because I gotta yeah. think, I, I gotta try and think now. I think we're at the point where, and maybe you can't do this for the full game. Maybe it is after the two minute warning of both halves, roughing the passer has to be reviewed. It, they can't get it right. 
they cannot get it right. Oh, it is sure. it's an abomination. It's probably too bang bang of a play. If I'm if I want to find a reason to bail out the refs, I'll give them that. There's times where they might have an angle of it on the field that didn't make sense of the actual hit where they thought it looked like a head to head or driving the quarterback to the ground. It has to be reviewed. And if it's slowing down the game too much, then just review it with two minutes left in each half because it's just the rule is not consistent. It's not consistent. I see quarterbacks get walloped and there's nothing. I see quarterbacks get slapped on the on the side of the hip and they call it like I don't I don't understand the rule and I don't think defensive linemen understand the rule. And if they're going to be that enforcement forcing of protecting quarterbacks, well, then you also need to protect the defensive linemen from penalties that can cost their team such a large portion of the game and make it reviewable. Okay, I have I have one that I'm extremely passionate about, but it's not an NFL rule. It's a college rule. That's can fine. I, can, can I do that? Okay. Yeah, sure. Targeting right now well, oh, is an abomination. That this the way that this rule is strictly written and called sucks. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect not only the players on offense who are catching the football or who have the ball, whatever it is. They're also trying to protect the defensive players when they are making a tackle and they're doing it with bad form. If they're leading with the crown of their helmet, it could compromise their neck and their spine. And that's some of the worst injuries that we have seen in the sport. I completely understand that. I get it. But the fact that targeting right now is a strict criteria for both the ball carrier and the tackler. And if it is upheld in any way, no matter what the situation is, that kid's out of the game and has to miss the next half as well. If you get called for targeting in the second half, you have to miss the first half of the next game. Right. I was watching uh, South Carolina, Texas A&M this past weekend. And one of South Carolina's best defenders, he went uh, uh, the receiver caught the football and he, you could tell he went a little bit lower because he didn't want to make contact with the head he didn't want to go like at him as a defenseless receiver and because of that he was a little bit lower than he should have been he didn't have his eyes up he had his helmet down and he tackled the guy right over the middle and it wasn't like a bad hit it wasn't an egregious hit it, it, it was barely even a hard hit but the fact that his eyes were down and he led with the crown of the helmet even though it wasn't a vicious hit at all they kicked him out for targeting. Like it was it was literally just a football play that he happened to have his head too low and they kicked him out of the game. It has to be an NBA flagrant system. You yeah, have to have targeting one and targeting two. The South Carolina hit that I saw this past weekend, which is barely even a I can't, I can't even call it a hit. It was a tackle. That you should get a targeting one foul for that. It should be 15 yards. It should be something that is detrimental to your team. So you remember, God, I can't be doing that. You don't need to make that kid miss two halves of football. It's for extreme. That. It's way too extreme. You are. It, it's. It has the potential to ruin games. South Carolina has already had so many injuries. I know that because my fiance is a South Carolina grad, so I watch a lot of South Carolina football games. They've already had so many injuries this year. This is one of the the, the better kids that's still healthy on their team, and you're going to kick him out just because he made a tackle that was a little bit lower than it should have been? I know the rule exists. I know why the rule exists, but I cannot stand it right now. Divide it up. Make it targeting one and targeting two. I have no idea how it is still 2023, and we do not have it. 
It's terrible to me. I, I'm totally with you. And, and another example, I mean, we just saw it with Johnny Newton. Johnny Newton just was wrecking the game against Wisconsin. He got ejected for targeting. He'll miss the first half of the next game. And, you know, he, they tried to do an appeal and it, it was upheld. It's just and it, it's it's upheld because the list is so strict that if you if, if there's no context allowed, it's if you do any of these things on the list, yeah, it's targeting. Too bad. Who cares? Right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it was violent. Doesn't matter if it was egregious. Doesn't matter if you were actually trying to hurt somebody. Obviously, like it it does. Like you would want people to get ejected if they made a malicious hit. That's the whole point of the rule. I think most of it. But yeah. That one gets me fired up. Every, I like every, it. We found every, it. We eventually every, found it. Every single Saturday, that one, uh, that one gets me, uh, gets me fired up. Hey, everybody! Uh, this time of year, it's all about setting up the routine checklist, right? This time of the year, it's getting back to that checklist, getting back to that routine, something that makes you feel comfortable, confident, safe. It allows you to go through your week the way that you want to. But the most important task on whatever list or routine that should be. It's securing your family's financial future. Starting with life insurance, Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life and that routine. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to get you high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes. They got flexible policies that fit your budget and quality policies like million-dollar coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online to your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family and apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. That is meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. M-E-E-T, which somebody who listens to the podcast pointed out they laugh every time I have to clarify that M E E T fabric.com slash stock exchange policies issued by Western Southern life assurance company, not available in certain States prices subject to unwriting and health questions. Uh, okay. Am I next? Is you are me? next. Okay. All right. Second question for me. Confidence level in Ryan polls one to 10. Oh, sweet mama. <laughs> Okay, let's hear it. Fresh off, fresh off a trade deadline, where they traded a second round pick for Montez Sweat with no extension in hand and did not deal Jalen Johnson, which means they only have one franchise tag to go between the two players and might oh. lose one of them for absolutely nothing. Right, and you would think they're gonna lose Jalen because you you cannot lose Montez Sweat. But also, I really like Montez Sweat. Let me be you know, like very clear about that here. I think he's very good against the run. He's a great athlete. He's obviously a good pass rusher. Mm -hmm. He's been able to play a lot since he's been in the league. The Bears needed more sure things on their defense. And I think Montez Sweat is a sure thing. He He's a like a component they have been lacking on the defensive side of the ball, where you line up against the Bears and you're like, man, this front doesn't scare me, or maybe the secondary that week doesn't scare me. Like, we're just going to attack this. He is a steady... I Calling him a steady Eddie is not even fair to him. He's better than that. So I don't hate the idea at all of acquiring Montez Sweat. Now, is that going to be the 34th pick in the draft or something like that? It's, you know, kind of an interesting thought process. But I'm going to put this at a four and a half, Trevor, okay. honestly. And I, I'm almost leaning more towards a four. I it's just hard for me. The Chase Claypool trade was a complete disaster, Tough. a complete disaster. I don't really see great allocation of cap 
usage all the time with this Bears team. I love the acquisition of DJ Moore. I always felt like they were one foot in and one foot out on fields, right? Like it's just one of those things where it just never felt like they really thought fields was going to be the guy after that new regime came in, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to collect assets and maybe see if he was. And now I think his value is really depreciated significantly. Like I don't think the return for Justin Fields is going to be impressive at all when they ultimately trade him. Maybe they're bad enough that they end up, they get that Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison stack. And, and it's just like, that's almost, it's not fail proof because nothing in the NFL is, but they would actually scare you a little bit in that regard. I feel like they've been trying to rebuild this offensive line for a million years. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not going to kill them for passing on Jalen Carter because Jalen, as much as he was maybe the best player in the draft or one of the, there were questions there and they were afraid to miss. They were really, really afraid to completely swing and miss. But I, I, I don't see an identity with this team. I don't see good coaching. Is Ryan Poles going to get a chance to stay if they fire the coaching staff and hire, you know, other coaching staff again? Like, I just look at this situation and the Bears have some assets, even though they just traded a really important one. And I I don't have a ton of confidence in how they're overall building this thing. Yeah, I would say we're at a three or a four. Um, I'm losing confidence in polls, especially for what just happened at the deadline. Um, You had to trade Jalen if you weren't going to extend him. Yeah, you had to. It's. I don't even I don't even love the sweat deal either, especially given the context around it. Like I, I I'm I'm trying to I don't know if polls knew that Atlanta was also an offer and that Sweat wanted to go to Atlanta because apparently he's got family there and um that was his preference to get traded to. I don't know how much of that polls knew or not, but trading for him and not signing him to an extension. I get that you want to see where your team is at and you could just sign him in the off season. But if there's other places, other teams that sweat would have rather gone to, he's just not going to sign your contract. He's going to go to the other teams and if you franchise tag him, okay, then you franchise tag him. But if he's not happy there anyways, then you're just renting this dude for pick number 35 overall one franchise tag. And then you're moving on from him. And meanwhile, I think the bears are going to be bad. Like, I don't, I, I don't think this is a super quick fix, even if you get Caleb Williams or Drake May. So I, I don't know if Montez Sweat's going to be there for longer than two years. And if he's not, then you traded a second-round pick and used a franchise tag on a player who is simply a good run defender and sometimes an effective pass rusher while the rest of your team just wasn't good. That's, that's tough. That's completely justified. That's, t- that's tough for me, and the Jalen Johnson stuff's tough for me, too. Like Buying when you, when you stink and buying a potential rental. It, yeah, like that's, they, that's not they, a good process. They think, they're, they think they're contenders, don't they? There's just no way. There's no way they could look themselves in the mirror and think that. But he might be thinking, if we don't show any signs of life, like I might not get the chance to use these first rounders coming up. That's a horrible reason to trade a second round pick for a pass rusher that you then don't have an extension on that's been upcoming for you. Oh, it's, it's, it's almost malpractice, but... If I'm the Bears, like I, I am, and I'm picking twice in the top five in this draft, I'm blowing this entire thing up. I'm blowing the entire thing up. 
you are going to be the most yeah. attractive fucking job on the market. You are in Chicago. You have they two have a lot. Of, they picks. have a lot of cap too. They have a lot of cap. Like, I know it's. I don't like to do the whole like just fire everybody and start over again every two years. I trust me. I covered the Jets for long enough to be through too many of those. But I do think this is a more unique circumstance. This one that and now you have a GM that I just don't understand his timeline. I just never understand his timeline. And I remember I nuked the Claypool trade when we did that podcast last year. Nuked it. And it went worse than I thought. It went worse than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, confidence. It's at a four, uh, four and a half. Yeah. I'm a, I'm the only three, reason it's a four I'm and a half is because he has like the most golden assets coming up that you could possibly think of. Right, right. Yeah, I'm at three or four. That's why I wanted to ask you the question. I'm, I'm, it's a great I'm losing, question. I'm losing a lot of faith. I'm losing a lot of faith there. So it's a tough one. All right. Okay. What's your last one? I think you'll have a lot of fun with this one because I tried to pick uh, some of your guys. And this is more of like a not rapid fire, but a little bit of a more quick hitter. All right. Uh, wait. All right. Best trait for Joe Alt, A.D. Mitchell. And then what's the last one? Uh, Edron Cooper. Edron Cooper. Okay. All right. The best trait for all three of those guys. I, the best trait for all for me is the balance at six foot eight. I mean, I thought I that he that. was a little thought he was a little top heavy last year, and I felt like he was. You know, sometimes you get these tackles, you go like, "Whoa, look at him! He's a mountain! He's giant!" But then, like, they'll kind of had this hunched over style. You know, they can't really get they can't really get deep into their stance because. The legs are so long. There's just the body is so long, and it's tough to maintain that kind of leverage and strength when you are that tall. And I feel like I saw that a lot more last year with Alt. This year, it's different, man. I feel like he's got a lot more balance, a lot more natural strength to him. Obviously, the length, I think, is probably the top trait just because of his overall size. But you combine that with mitigating those weaknesses of a player of his size, and that's what's brought out some really, really good tape this year. So, Alt's really great in that regard. Uh, he's not as quick off the line with his footwork as like Olu Fashanu is. Right. But I think it, being six foot eight, you cover so much ground. It's like the Patrick Paul thing too. You know, those guys, maybe not necessarily the quickest players on their feet, but they're so big that even if them being a little slower, they can normally get to their landmarks. Look at Dewan Jones. Protection. So, yeah, I mean, that's a Dewan Jones thing too. Although Alt, I think, is even more flexible yeah, he is. than yeah. Dewan Jones was certainly as, as a guy who, well, let's say a fourth round pick from Dewan Jones, but let's be honest, like the tape was a lot higher than a fourth round pick. I just think the league maybe didn't like what we've said this before, what happened at the senior bowl, maybe it's an attitude thing. I don't know. Cause the tape was way better than a fourth round pick, but that's Joe all AD Mitchell. My favorite trade about him. I've said this before at six foot four, right around 200 pounds. The way that he runs routes is super impressive. I just do not see many players who are that tall, have that long of legs, that can really sink their hips, really deceive defensive backs with their hips and their shoulders, and be as good at route running and separation as A.D. Mitchell is. And I think that that goes into why he is so good in the red zone and scoring touchdowns just because he's got a knack for it. He's got a knack for that separation. I think when the space um, gets a little bit tighter. So to me, route running uh, for a player who is of his size is my favorite attribute. 
of A.D. Mitchell. And then the last one is Edron Cooper, who I moved up to edge one in this class. And if you guys haven't heard that name before, this is Texas A&M. Linebacker one. Off-ball linebacker. Yeah, what did I say? Edge one. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, linebacker one. People were probably like, wait, what? You just um, talked about Liatu Latu. <laughs> right, I think that was why it was in my head. Off-ball linebacker one, Edron Cooper. And I'm kind of waiting for somebody to really stand out in this class. I think that Barrett Carter is still a good football player. Like I still think that he could be a top 50 guy when it's all said and done, but I snuck Cooper a little bit higher than him and into my recent top 50 because Cooper's playing out of his mind. He has a 91.7 overall PFF grade, which is the highest for any off ball linebacker in the country. He doesn't have a single grade, whether it's run defense, pass rush or coverage that is below 84. Now I think his, his grades a little bit, his grade's a little bit overinflated because the coverage grade is, I think, also right around 91. But it's not it's not like Fred Warner, Levante David dropping back into coverage. You know, they're not asked Texas AM's not asking him to do a lot of different zone drops and these deep drops, you know, covering and carrying a guy in a uh, in a Tampa two or anything like that. But when it is a pass play and when he is asked to patrol a shallow zone or watch for the football in the flat or whatever. He is a heat-seeking missile once that ball gets thrown to the flat. If it's anything short, I mean, he is on it. He's got some crazy plays this year. Six foot three, 200 pounds, 34-inch arms, which are crazy long arms for an off-ball linebacker. And the dude's just got sideline-to-sideline speed for days. He reminds me of Kenneth Murray when Kenneth Murray was coming out of Oklahoma and he was a back end of the first-round pick for the Chargers. Now, I feel like Kenneth Murray was overdrafted as a back end of the first round pick. And I'm, I don't think that Cooper at this point in time would be a first round off ball linebacker, but you get into that second round, you want guys with athleticism in the middle of the field. And Holy cow, if you just let him be a, an attacking downhill guy, he could be that for you. So all of that to say favorite trade of his, without a doubt, that closing speed ability. I mean, that explosiveness, that zero to 60, put your foot in the ground and go get the ball carrier. He's got some of the best reps in the country when it comes to that kind of uh, assignment. I love it. I knew you'd have fun with that one because I know you like those guys and uh, I'm I'm with you. You, you kind of uh, put up my blinker for Cooper and he's a dude that flies around. Like you, yeah. just, you see the size in the middle of the field too. It's a little bit of a lost art in today's game and he's got it. All right, I got my last one is also a pretty fun one, which could have a pretty good discussion. But before we get to that, got to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Now, PFF has an official Prize Picks lineup for Thursday Night Football this week. That would be Tajay Spears, more than 12 and a half receiving yards, just 12 and a half, and then Will Levis, more than 202 passing yards 202 and a half passing yards so if both of those things hit remember pff told you that both of those things were gonna hit if you want to play alongside of prize picks favorite players like guys like meek mill andrew schultz all sorts of uh pop culture icons that are getting in on prize picks as well you can't you can find them in the community plays under the promos tab of the prize picks app to view the entries from some of the biggest names in the prize pick community every single week um if you are new to prize picks what it is is you pick an entry that projects a player to have more or less than a certain amount of receiving yards, passing yards, passing touchdowns, whatever it is. But you got, you got to bundle at least two to six of these. All I'm got to hit 
And if they do, you can win up to 25 times your money. PrizePix even offers reboot policies so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits to the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is just automatically rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepix.com backslash NFLSC. Use the promo code NFLSC for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars again that is pricepicks.com nflsc use the promo code nflsc for a deposit match up to one hundred dollars it's a free hundred dollars to play with guys come on i use uh, promo code make it happen i did a four pick hockey nhl was it, was it a shot was it a player shot it was a little bit of everything so listen to this i had okay. adam fox more than half an assist he got it nice i had mika zibanejad more than three shots on goal he had five oh, yeah guaranteed you'll Dub. like this i had Braden point more than two and a half shots on goal. He had four. Nice. So then, so then I go to bed. Yeah. I go to bed with all three hitting. And my mm. last one was West Coast game. So I'm like, I'm not staying up as much as I like watching Connor Bedard. <laughs> I mean, Connor Bedard, more than three and a half shots on goal. I'm like, I got the three hardest ones out of the way. Like the Adam Fox assist was always, oh, and, and he's an assist machine. I'm like, Bedard will have seven shots. Like I wake up, he had three. <laughs> It was a flex play, so I still won money. But nice, like, it's nice. a it's a big difference. It's a nice. really big difference. <laughs> it's fun, man. Prize picks is fun. It's quirky. Um, I mean, the hockey on it's fun. The football is on on, on Sundays is a blast. It's it's just a different experience. Hockey shots bets. I mean, you guys are you and I got another a good friend of mine who does the, the the hockey shots bet, and you guys are just it's it's dgen it's a dgen level of betting <laughs> it um, is but i bet i bet you've had a handful of parlays that hit that uh you just go nuts with. i have All two right, you're, yeah i have two bad gambling qualities the the shot the shot sickness where you're just cheering at every shot on goal during this time of year and then <laughs> when i'm off for a while in the summer i make some really ridiculous any uh home run bets in baseball that like that's like the worst version of betting wait 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 hold on wait 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 What's the regular odds for a home run? Bet? It depends on the player in the pitching matchup, but like say like Pete Alonso, who's one of the best power hitters in the game. Right. If the Mets are playing a day game and I'm I'm off on like a Wednesday, I mean I'll I'll fire up a plus three hundred, and sometimes you get boosters and stuff. Okay, so it's it's like plus three hundred for the best home run hitter in the game. Yeah, yeah, it'll go down to like plus two seventy five, but there's also okay. boosted bets, and it's I mean it's it's a it's a sickness. So. Okay. Yeah, we should move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, before you get the itch. Okay, you ready for this one? Let's this do it. One's, this one's kind of extensive. So, oh boy, um, I'm sweating. If, if if I need to put this one back up, I can because okay. it involves a couple of extra teams. All right, ready? Here you go. All right, rank the team from most likely to least likely to draft a quarterback if they pick three to eight. The Giants, the Patriots, the Packers, the Broncos, the Rams. Okay, Giants, Patriots... Packers, Broncos, Rams. So I'll avoid you having to put that back up. Three to eight. Okay. And All the right. reason I and the reason I have with them picking three to eight is because if you get the chance to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May, I think you do it. I think all of those teams, the Giants, the Packers, the Patriots, the Broncos, and the Rams, I think all of those teams, all five of those teams would take Caleb Williams or Drake May. But I want you to rank from most likely to least likely a team that would take i got you a quarterback 
Bo Nix. Like, who do you think, if they're picking three to eight, who do you think is just like sick of their quarterback shit enough to where they're <laughs> like, all right, we got to get it. We got to get a new dude in here. <laughs> it's the Rams number one. Because Sta- Stafford's okay. body, Stafford's body is, has been failing him a little bit, and mm-hmm. Stafford's got a good attitude. Even if he came back next year, it's you're not rocking the boat there. Like it's McVeigh. We thought he'd be going to TV, and he seems pretty committed to that team. And it's the Rams number one, but it, a really close number two because you said they're sick of the shit. Is the Broncos? I mean, Sean Payton is okay. just Sean Payton is just jonesing to get a quarterback in there to ruin Russell Wilson's life. Like we know <laughs> that for sure. So the Rams Opposition breeds the best results. Yeah, the Broncos. I'll go Patriots number three. I I don't I don't really think they like Mac Jones. Um, now they were in a spot this year where it was Mac Jones was put in a terrible spot in year two, and they had to do right by him and bring in a real offensive coordinator and. Mm. see where it goes and mac has been a wild roller coaster this year there's games where he doesn't look like an nfl quarterback there's games where he looks like a guy they should continue to develop and trust but i still think there's going to be a lot it's going to be a weird offseason for new england like there's just a lot going on there that needs to change Mm -hmm. so i'll go patriots at three i'll go giants at four but this is like a leaky four did you hear the press con the Packers quotes from Gudikins today. No, it it wasn't like a real defense of Jordan Love. Okay, I'll read it right here. This is from Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers uh, mm-hmm. at a very high level. He said, um, when asked if the Packers might need more than this season to figure out if Jordan Love is the guy, Gudikins said, I hope not. He called the next 10 games an important 10 games. Added that when things aren't clicking, it's difficult to evaluate anything. I Like, maybe I'm naive. I expected Gudikins to end the Aaron Rodgers era for his guy mm-hmm. to be like, we believe in Jordan Love. We're standing by Jordan Love. And I'm sure the full press conference, there could be some of those cliches. But he gave us at least a little something to chew on. Mm-hmm. And it's been that bad in Green Bay this year. So I'll put the Giants at four, but I don't feel good about that. I Like, I look at this and I'm like, man. Like, the Giants have 40 million on Daniel Jones next year and an owner that an owner that really believes in Daniel Jones. I don't think Brian Dable is all gung ho over Daniel Jones anymore. But. uh, Man, I'm looking at this like. It's yeah, it's it's interesting, the Giants and, and the Packers are an interesting four or five. I think you could flip that one any way you want. So you would say Rams most likely, then the Broncos, then the Patriots, then the Packers, and then the Giants, right? Or did you flip the Giants at four? I still have the Giants at four. Okay, okay. But (laughs) because the thing with the Giants is like this is a quarterback class that can, can Joe Shane go down on the Daniel Jones ship? Like, what if the Giants have a disappointing 2024? Does Joe Shane get the chance to take his guy after that? I don't know. I wouldn't want to find I, out. I think, I think if the rest of the roster is going in the right direction, he would. Which kind of goes into my... So I'll tell you my order. I also think that if the Rams are picking between three and eight, that they're probably taking a quarterback. 
Um, so I think that they are number one. I'd put Green Bay at two. Wow, there it is. I'd put Green Bay at two because it looks that bad. And I don't think that it's all Jordan Love's fault. No. I really don't. There's a lot going wrong with that offense. I don't think the tight ends are clicking nearly as fast as maybe they thought they would. The wide receivers are still having plenty of issues. Obviously, we've talked about David Bakhtiari not being there, kind of throwing things off. But the offense looks so bad, and P- and and P- people forget, Jordan Love has one year left on his contract next year. That's it. So it's not like it's not like you have all of this time to evaluate him. You you had the two years where it was the Aaron Rodgers thing. He's playing now in the third year of his contract, and they didn't pick up the fifth year, right? Or did they? They did pick up Jordan Love's fifth year. So is next year the fifth year? The next year's the fifth year. So next year's the fifth year. Either way, whatever. They only have two years to evaluate him. This is one. And oh, they extended him. Sorry, Trevor. I didn't mean to cut you off. They extended him. So essentially the same thing, right? They 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 extended him. I'm looking at his contract right now, and he's got this year and next year. Yeah, it's correct? it's essentially the same thing as a fifth-year option. They just used it as an extension. Okay. So, I think that if they are picking within quarterback range there, they're going to move on. I think they're going to move on from somebody. Uh, very clearly, if they have the opportunity to take Caleb Williams or Drake May, I don't think it's a debate. But I would say Rams are one, Packers are two. I think the Patriots are three. I think Denver is four, and I think the Giants are at the end. I think the Giants are five, and I understand that people might be freaking out about that because people might be like, yo, Daniel Jones is not it, and I also kind of don't think Daniel Jones is it, but like I said, they've given him this contract. He's got probably another year that you got to keep him around anyways. Use that high pick probably in the trenches again where you need it, and that's where Joe Shane's defense can get can be. Joe Shane can say, hey, I kind of inherited this quarterback that we gave a small deal to because we wanted to kind of see what he could be. He wasn't the player, but look at the rest of the roster. It's all getting better at a lot of different areas. The offensive line is taking a major step back this year, but if he continues to invest in it, I think that can be his defense to get to distance himself away from Daniel Jones when that time comes. So I would say Rams, Packers, Patriots, Broncos, and then the Giants. All right, you ready for my fun one? Yes. This is this is where I I'm not gonna lie. I sat down. I poured a cup of cold brew after I got home today from work. And, wow, at and 5 p.m. You animal. It was like it was before the show, so it was like 3:30. Okay, uh, but yes, not immediately. Right, wow, immediately 3:30. Took the, you animal. Immediately took the dog running after just to burn some of it, like to cool some of it off. And I thought about so many different scenarios for this, and I, I think I think this one. You'll have fun with this. So the fun one right here. You have a time machine for 24 hours. It can only take you to sporting events. Hold up. Pull it up. Pull it up a little bit. Where are you going? So I did the math and I figure you can go to about eight sporting events. Oh, within 24 hours? Within 24 hours. Let's say each sporting event will be about three hours give or take oh okay and it's instant it's an instant teleportation so you have about seven to eight sporting events that you get to pick from any time in world history all right one is obviously a afternoon 
uh, at the uh, the Colosseum for an actual gladiator event. That counts um, in, in ancient Rome. So that's <laughs> that absolutely counts. That's, that's, <laughs> I agree. I think it's great. You can see people slaughter each other. Barbaric thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, you, you probably wouldn't like, come back the same, but yeah, I mean the pizza would slap. Obviously. Oh my god. Uh, ancient Rome. Pizza. Yeah, the concession stands might be absolute cheeks at that one, but at least you saw a cool <laughs> event. <laughs> They're literally just like pouring red wine and handing out loaves of bread. Yeah, but the red wine's probably like fresh as hell, you know, like no pest, point. like no chemicals. You know what I'm saying? Like we haven't tanked the climate at that point, so it's probably just it's probably real nice. That's a good point. Nice. You know, just not just just a nice cab. Just a nice uh, a cab from Tuscany and, and a little gladiator event, you know? <laughs> Just a casual Saturday afternoon. All right. Do you have any off the top of your head? Because, like, I got to think. This is a great question, but I got to think of, like, well, some of the sporting events here. So, yes, I do. I mean, there's also, like, obviously we've grown up fans of sporting events. So there's some that I feel like I have to go to by default that probably knock out half of them. Like, I'd have to be, for me, and I'll do these quick because nobody else probably cares about these, like the 86 World Series to see the Mets. And that's also one of the greatest World Series of all time against the Red sure. Sox. I have to go to that. I have right. to go when the Rangers won the cup, obviously. Um, and and I'm talking about like the only cup they've won in the last 83 years in the cup in 93. So those two for me, for sure. When the Jets won the Super Bowl with Namath, like those three. I oh, yeah, I have to be at those. So that gives me like five to have fun with the miracle on ice in 1980. Is oh, a, yes. is a note like that's one I have to be at the one I'm struggling with the most because I only want to pick one of them is one of the three fights between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. That's the one sure. where like you would think the thrill in Manila would be. That's the third one. That would be the one. That would be the craziest not only because of the location it's goes 14 rounds but a part of me i don't know about i don't know boxing as much i know like the lore but i, yeah. I don't like I, I would say i would actually go to fight of the century that's the first one and it's the one frazier won in 15 rounds so that's number five for me is fight of the century um Obviously, I got to think about this, so this is a good way to give you more time because this is this is one I really should have texted you. But I was like, I'll I'll get mine out, and then Trevor yeah. will will yeah. go through his. Yeah, this is trick. It is still really tricky because you got to like really narrow these down. So the okay, the the three that immediately come to my mind that I want to see. Um, game six, nineteen ninety eight, Chicago Bulls. Just to see, just to see the Jordan shot. Right. I mean, like, yeah, that's I, that makes I, I a lot want, of sense. I want I want to feel the energy in the stadium for the intro, the infamous intro. Course, right. Alan Parsons to, project. I, yeah. I want to be there for that. And then I want to see them win that game on the Jordan shot. Um, I want to I want to see and this is in my lifetime, but obviously, like I wasn't there for it. I want to be at the game that Barry Bonds broke the home run record. That is one that immediately came to my mind. <laughs> this one I was not alive for. I want to see Wilt Chamberlain's 100 point game. That's really cool. That's a really I want, cool. One. I want to see what it was like because for you to score 100 points in a in a basketball game is nuts. 
I mean, I mean, you have to be scoring. What is it like every twenty seconds? Like, what was it like? Everybody says, "Oh, he was going up against nobodies." I don't care. I want to see it happen. I just want to see the modern marvel that was those that that performance. So that is those are the three that immediately came to my mind. Miracle on Ice, absolutely. Like that no one is no doubter. That one is a a no doubter. You you've absolutely got to go to that one. Um, this is such a great question. I cannot wait to hear the responses what people say they would go to so those are my four do you have any other ones yeah i do uh another one that i would go to would be when secretariat won the triple crown um that for me is like i mean obviously secretariat's one of the greatest horses of all time i love horses and horse racing right uh, that would be a very unique thing to me to see secretariat win the triple crown uh, especially setting and still holding the fastest times in the races. Like it secretariats, you know, you always want to see the pinnacle of, of sport for this specific competition. And that's secretariat. So that's one for me. So I'm at, like, I'm at six already. Like obviously the Rangers 93 to 94 season, like that 94 cup. I'd want to see when they, when they beat Vancouver in the final game. Uh, same with the Mets against the Red Sox. Although the Buckner, going through Buckner's legs, it could also be another sporting event. Like you're only picking a game. So when I say championships, you have to go to a specific game, right? Jets, miracle on ice, uh, flight of the century secretariat. It's, it's weird that, you know what? It would be a really wild one. And I don't know if it's on my list, but it's something I think of There's two college football ones. And I wouldn't pick more than two. Mm -hmm. The Stanford band when with Cal, Okay. I mean, that's like the craziest thing ever. Right. And then when Vince Young beat USC. That the Rose the Rose Bowl is the one that I thought of for college football that I would that, want to see. Because that like I'm watching that as a kid, I, that was a special game. I think that's yeah. the one for college football for me. I I feel like I wanna pick. You know what you know what I would want to go see? Like the very first Olympics. When sure. was the when was the first Olympics? When was the first Olymp Olympics? Because I just want to see what 1896, the summer games. I would also like to see, ooh, ooh, what about like, okay, this is this is right next to it on the other Wikipedia. The ancient Olympic games, which were in Greece, like the, the, like the legit Olympic games dated back to 776 B.C., that's some shit that I would want to see. Right. That's take, I, take me back to that. You have to take advantage of this time machine and do yeah. things like you can watch on YouTube. A lot of the games that we've said, but right. that that you can't just YouTube. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going the very maybe not the very first, maybe like the. F yeah. Kind of make sure they have their stuff together. Yeah, we got it. We got to develop it like maybe like the, the 50th ancient greek olympic games and then i want to see the first ever summer olympic games so those two miracle on ice for sure um somebody getting sliced and diced in the coliseum you want my most unhinged one and i'm yeah. i'm dead serious it makes my eight undertaker versus mankind hell in a cell wow <laughs> i have to be there be <laughs> I have to be there. <laughs> is, is that the is that the uh, God is my witness? He's broken in yeah, half. Match? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, seeing mankind thrown off the cell 
through the announcer's table. It, like, it has to be in my eight. It has to be. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's I, look, a lot of people that agree. <laughs> dude, I, I, can't, I cannot wait to read the comments of this one. I got mine, and it's a, little, it's a little bit quicker of one, but it might be controversial. It might be actually very controversial. This might rip the podcast apart. I'm not sure yet. But before we get to that, it's not a bird. It's not a plane. It is the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Almost holding short there. We are talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. AI is cool. But I think this might be the biggest technological advancement the world has ever seen. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping using the promo code PFF. High tech for low places with our friends over at Manscaped. Inside this package, you will find the star of the show, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This bad boy's got dual LED lights to provide contrast on multiple different skin tones so you can shed some light on even the darkest places. We're talking about three length setting combs as well that it comes with for all your desired lengths. And of course, this one's waterproof as well. If you're taking it on the go, Manscaped's got you covered. This puppy comes with a travel case and a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering on and offs when you're in the airport, all that stuff. So um, right here, it's on the cutting edge of cutting pubes. God, what a just a just a mint line upgrade your ball trimmer and your life will follow get 20 percent off of free shipping using the promo code pff at manscaped.com it's 20 percent off free shipping with the promo code pff at manscaped.com i can promise you you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship well now you can get your hands on it today with our folks over at manscaped all right last one you ready for it let's do it <clears throat> this is topical seasonal when does the Christmas tree go up and when does it come down? Phenomenal. Okay. So when I was drinking the cold brew and sitting there, <laughs> I looked at Kristen and I was like, throw some scenarios at me. And this was one of the ones she did. And uh. oh, and I'm so I'm really glad that you brought this up because it was this was a close runner up until I thought of uh, sports event time machine or gladiator time machine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which even even surprised me. So I'm pretty, pretty specific. All right. I've okay. So it goes, it goes down is so easy. It usually goes down for me. New Year's day. I know that's uh, right. right. Okay. All right. New all Year's right. day. All right. Now a lot of like schedule stuff impacts this. If I have work on New Year's day, then it might have to wait till the next day off. So it could go as far as that would be January 6th this year, but no later than that. I'm usually pretty standard New Year's Day, pack up the tree. I'm tired of looking at it. I don't feel like cleaning it up, so let's just get this done. Now, going up, this year, I could tell you when it's going to go up. The Jets play Black Friday, so I will be working the day after Thanksgiving. It's the mm -hmm. first Black Friday NFL game. That is, that is November 24th. I think the tree this year will go up the weekend of the 25th, which is probably really early for a lot of people. But this is the first year in a really long time that we're not getting a real tree. When I lived in Hoboken, you know, we always got a real tree and we got one down the street and we had a different style apartment. All that made mm -hmm. sense. When you get a real tree, like you, you can't put it up in November. That thing will not last. The needles will fall off and die. 
now where we live now and with a massive sheepdog, it's just easier to have a fake tree. So, right. so I mean, I couldn't imagine a real tree in this scenario right now. So with the fake tree and me having the weekend off because of the Black Friday game, and we also love Christmas and want to start as early as possible, it will be the weekend of the 25th. All right. Okay. We're cool. We're friends. We can continue to do the podcast. Love Christmas. I th- I, uh, I've seen people put up a Christmas tree, and my fiance even said like a couple of days ago, she's like, I think I'm going to break out the Christmas tree. Like when we get home, like right, at, like right after October, like right after Thanksgiving. And I'm fine with that. If you want to put up the tree after Halloween, I won't fight you too hard on it. Uh, I, my preference would be immediately after Thanksgiving. We're going hard for a month. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Like a month and a week, we're going We're going hard for it. But this is my favorite time of year, truly. Same. Like right, right when November starts, you got Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. You got some incredible college football and NFL games. You got rivalry week in college football. You obviously have like other sports heating up world series. If you're a baseball guy, I'm not that big of a baseball guy, but anyways, hockey's underway. Like it's just a beautiful part of the sports calendar. You get into bowl season and then it's Christmas time. I feel like everybody's also nicer around the holidays. Usually I don't work in the service industry. So I know like some people in the service industry might be like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, buddy, you want to taste the reality, right? Right. People are assholes around the holidays, which might be the case if you work in the service industry and and, and industry. And if you do salute to you, I love you. Right. Um, I just feel like my friends and family, like everybody's happier around the holidays. I love getting to see friends and family a lot more. And I feel like I do over this two month stretch for the last two months of the year. And so this is truly my favorite time of year. So if you want to put the Christmas tree up now, it's all right. I won't fight you on it. My preference, though, same as yours. Right after Thanksgiving, we're putting that bad boy up. And um, yeah, we, dude, we might actually get a real one, but we might actually go chop a tree down. It's a great experience. I've never, so I'm I've from only done Florida. it once. I'm from Florida. For the 28 years that I lived in Florida, never even crossed my mind. Now we had, we, we would go and buy real trees, but. Never thought to like in 80 degree weather, let's go chop down, right. drop down a Christmas tree. But um, my fiance said that her and her family used to do it all the time. And I was like, I would love to do that. So might put might be putting up might be putting up the fake one early. And then like first, second week of December might be going to chop down a real one. So I like, like that strategy. Yeah. You could you could dual Christmas tree too if you want. You don't even have to take down the fake oh, one. Oh brother, I'm gonna have four. Right, just it's just a museum of Christmas. Yeah, trees it's just gonna be house. like various shapes and sizes. Every room in this house is gonna you're gonna make sure you know that it's Christmas season. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think you guys nailed it. Like it's the thing I found is because we used to always wait till at least like the first week of December. It's too short of a time. I don't want three weeks of Christmas. It's the best, it's the best right. time of the year. I want I want the five yeah. weeks. Give me the five yeah. weeks. Five weeks minimum. I got movies to watch. I got <laughs> I got gifts to wrap. I got snacks to eat. Like this, I, I need five weeks. I would ask you your favorite holiday movie, but that is for another yes, episode. We can go Y'all, on. Y'all, let on us about know that. what you thought of our answers, of our questions, of our episode here. We would we got so many comments the last time that we did a no notes episode, and that is what we love the most. I'd love to hear your takes on certainly the football question that we had, but also the fun ones. I can't wait to hear which sporting events you guys want to go to, uh, your rules on when you put up the Christmas tree, all that wonderful stuff. Please hit us up in the comment section. We love reading them on YouTube. YouTube.com backslash 
at NFL Stock Exchange. If you are audio only, you could certainly tweet at us and hit us up on Instagram as well at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers. And we also I've been doing a bad, been bad at promoing the actual show account at PFF underscore NFLSE on Twitter. Um, that's been growing pretty steadily. So if you guys want to kind of join the community that way, that's a way to uh, get us to see your tweets and, and and all your responses there as well. Connor. Got anything else before we get out here? No more notes for me. Fun show. Yep. Too much fun. I mean, I could do the six hour show of no notes. It's um, we have a good time. Hopefully everybody else enjoys it as much as we do. And reminder, please always comment your takes. It could have been on one of the football ones. It could mm-hmm. have been. I do want to know when all of you put up your Christmas tree. I want to see the most insane take on that. What sporting events you want to go to. If you have the gladiator time machine, please <laughs> get involved. Get involved. You sickos. I oh, appreciate you guys listening and following along with the uh, with the podcast. We will be back with you on Monday, as per usual. Don't know at this point in time what we're going to do yet. Shocking. But it's going to be something great. We promise. Not sure what it is, but we promise that it's going to be something great. Probably draft related since this is a draft broadcast. I'm Trevor Sigma. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the NFL Stock Exchange. We will see you on Monday.